sidecar. If it has to do with rituals around food and holidays, making food or taking it places, or remembering what we were eating during important times in our lives, we'll talk about it here. I am your host and bestie, Jen Coleslaw, coming to you from the soulless suburbs of Northern Virginia. Hello, my friends. Can you believe it is halfway through August already? I know I say this all the time, and certainly it's possible that I think it and I don't say it out loud, but time seems to have no meaning anymore. Sometimes it feels like it's just creeping along and then I blink and three years has gone by and I don't know how to process that or stop the clock or whatever metaphor we need these days. I will say that the days go by the slowest when Ben is traveling and I really hate that because it's impossible to enjoy the time because the stress of taking care of all the pets and doing all the things, and worrying about what is going on outside all night long. Man, I would so love to be less neurotic. Anywho, lots of stuff going on. If you follow me on the socials, you know that we have a new little family member, a Lynx Point Siamese snowshoe kitten who we are calling Blueberry. He came from the same area, really the same friends uh, who run a little cat shelter um, in southwestern Virginia as Clown Shoes and his brother, Little Petite, may he rest in peace, and the Murder Twins. He is absolutely settling into my heart, but the other cats are giving him a hard time. Yesterday, I hadn't seen him for a few hours, and it was because he was being held captive in the laundry room with both guards, uh, both doors guarded by Murder Kitten and Clown Shoes and he was afraid to walk past them. Rufus Russo Rojas was scheduled for his second and third heartworm shot, but it did not go as planned. He got the second shot after being really sedated because he was bouncing off the walls, and he stayed overnight at the hospital on Tuesday night. But the next day, after they sedated him again to give him his shot, he started coughing. And that was a concern So we pushed the third shot out a month, even though it looks like he was coughing because he was so sedated that he had acid reflux. So now he has two more months of crate rest, which I'm pretty sure is hurting Ben more than it's hurting Rufus. And then a tree fell on the house during one of those crazy storms. Now, before I tell you about that, let me tell you that I live for storm prep. I have all the weather apps on my phone, uh, the local emergency alert systems for both home and work locations, and growing up in New England where a snowstorm or a hurricane could knock out power for a week, I know how to prep for a storm. So I charged all my devices, including two power banks, a solar power bank, filled the bathtub with water, made four bottles of seltzer with my soda stream, 
loaded up the fridge with cans of Pepsi, made a bunch of ice and put it in the freezer, downloaded some shows onto my iPad, checked the pet pantry to make sure we had plenty of dog and cat food, then the people pantry for people food. I put gas in the car. I made sure I had some cash in case I needed to pay someone to do whatever. That's usually important during snow shoveling time because Ben's off and away during snow shoveling time and secure anything egregiously loose in the yard. And then I reminded everyone in the region to do the same thing. But what I did not anticipate was a tree falling on the house. I mean, I suppose I anticipated it because I often wonder how it hasn't happened yet because we have fairly... Um, two fairly large trees in the backyard, um, a big Norway maple and some tree of unknown origin that periodically drops branches. But I could not have kept it from happening with my storm prep. And while it seems like it's a pretty bad thing, we lucked out. We have insurance for these sorts of things. And while the tree is still on the roof and will probably be on the roof for another week, someone else will manage the removal of it and replace all the shingles and check the roof for damage and fix it as needed. But as stressful and as complicated as my last few weeks have been, it is nothing, nothing compared. When I look at what is going on on my beloved Hawaiiana Islands, if you've been following me since the beginning, you know how much I love Hawaii. Not for the touristy stuff and my ties and the clubbing in Waikiki and all of the nonsense, but for the flora and the fauna and the ohana of Hawaii, the kindness and the beauty and the worldliness of Hawaii. My first visit to Oahu was when I was in college, returning from the World Debate Championships in Sydney, Australia. I was traveling with the debate team from Colgate University, and one of the guys had a girlfriend who lived on Oahu. And so we had a week-long stopover on the way home. I shared a suite with the four guys who were like brothers to me, and we lived on happy hour food and containers of pineapple from the ABC store. Ramon's girlfriend, Kai, took us around the island in her Jeep, and we went snorkeling in secret spots as well as in Hanama Bay, and I just fell in love with Hawaii. I couldn't believe our luck that the United States had this paradise in its borders that you could go halfway around the globe and still use America dollars. I wouldn't get back there until 2005 though, but I've been going almost every year since then, thanks to Ben having a work there, work event there every fall. But last year, when we went back after being off of the trip because of COVID, I realized just what it means to be an interloper, a trespasser, an intruder on this special place. And if you've been with me since the beginning, you know that I carry a lot of survivor guilt that has compounded mightily the last few years. And man, I was feeling it last fall when we were out on Oahu and I could see how the pandemic and the global supply chain disruptions had just laid waste to the islands and everyone who lived and worked out there. But at the same time, while driving through the lava fields of Moana Loa, the world's most active volcano, the resilience of the island was evidence as trees and shrubs and flowers continued to go through that, grow through the lava rock. But volcanic eruptions are natural disasters. Wildfires that level an entire town are not. 
If you haven't been glued to the news about Maui like I have, here's a snapshot. Almost 3,000 structures, mostly homes, have been destroyed by a fast-moving and super-hot fire this past week that was fueled by dry conditions and high winds and the fact that non-native settlers and plantation owners filled in wetlands over 100 years ago and imported grasses and plants that acted like tinder. As I'm writing this, only 4% of the burned area has been literally sifted for remains, and the death toll is at 93. At least 1,000 people are still listed as unaccounted for. The estimated damages are currently around $6 billion, and the governor believes this will be the worst disaster in Hawaii's history and the deadliest U.S. fire in a century. Hundreds of people who lost everything in the fires, including their ID and their pets, are in temporary housing in school gyms and hotel rooms, and more have left the island and are setting up in the same on Oahu. The DMV is creating special times and locations for folks to get all new driver's license and IDs because they lost everything. All of the whale watch and the dolphin, the dolphin snorkel boats have put tours on holds all over the state and the boats and the catamarans are being used to bring supplies to the island. But for all the hustle to help, more questions are raised. Why didn't the sirens, the most sophisticated alert system in the world, sound an alarm? What was the, was the electrical system to blame for the fires? A class action lawsuit has already been filed on behalf of the residents and businesses of Maui. And while it looks like there's more to blame than just climate change, Human error and accidents will always still happen, and we can't anticipate that. But we can anticipate human-involved climate change disasters, and until we start accepting that, we're going to keep having these horrific events that can't be called accidents. We're going to learn more and more in the coming days about how that lovely historic town that burned to the ground did so not just because of the wind from Hurricane Dora, but because of hundreds of years of decisions to change the natural landscape and biodiversity and to build and plant in places that should have been left as wetlands. And that's a lesson that needs to be learned over and over again, all over the United States especially. It'll be years before Maui recovers from this fire. And there's a real fear that Maui that according to housing advocates was already 10,000 housing units short before the fire, we'll see another avoidable tragedy, and that is redevelopment money going to developers and real estate ghouls buying up property for luxury second home mansions for rich white mainlanders and gated condo communities and hotels, not workforce and family housing or small business spaces for native Hawaiians. So that brings us to November when Ben will be on Oahu for his work trip and whether I should accompany him or whether I should stay home. Suffice it to say, it has been weighing heavy on my heart. Maybe I'm being dramatic, but do I really need to be anywhere on the Hawaiian Islands taking up space or any resource when there are thousands of people still displaced? Does one extra person matter? Well, of course it does, because what if 15,000 people think they are just that one extra person? Anyway, I finally watched the last episode of Ted Lasso, and I'll never not be sad ever again. So on top of everything, there's that. In other news, I got an entire quart of figs off my fig tree today. 
Definitely a good year for figs at our house, which is good because I missed getting them at Trader Joe's. But I certainly won't have enough to make jam, though. We're getting to the end of peach season here in Northern Virginia in the farmer's markets, and I will probably get one more batch to put in the freezer so I can make some peach vanilla jam, white peach and raspberry jam, and peach ginger jam. The very first apples and pears have shown up at the market, but it is definitely early for applesauce. I'll probably get a batch of plums for plum lavender jam, and if I can get some of those rosa plums, those are those red ones, they make the most beautiful pink jelly that smells like perfume. And speaking of delicious little items, I have started getting advertisements in my email for advent calendars. And if you know anything at all about me, you should know how much I love advent calendars. My favorite one of all time was this little cookie cutter a day one. Uh, and lo and behold, Williams-Sonoma has one that is mostly mini cookie cutters. Uh, it didn't look like the cookie cutters were all that interesting, though. But also other little baking items. Also featured at Williams-Sonoma is a honey vinegar and olive oil advent calendar, which honestly looks quite awesome. Would love to get that as a gift, and I think I would love to give it as a gift. Advent calendars, in my opinion, are a great gift because they're like subscription gifts, but for just one month. And I think there should be more birthday advent calendars like that. And Kath and I do something similar that we call the box of joy, where we send each other a box of little wrapped gifts for our birthday months. And when you're having a bad day and you need a little bit of joy, you get to open one of the gifties. I highly recommend it. Anyway, the thing about advent calendars is that you have to get them early because they sell out. Uh, manufacturers only make a certain number because they don't want to have advent calendars after Christmas. And I know that advent calendars are all about the season of Advent, which is a Catholic thing, but I would totally dig a calendar that starts on Christmas or New Year's Day and then goes a whole 25 or 30 days after because it's those days in mid to late January after the holidays, which can be kind of dark and dreary and sad. And if you think I'm talking about the holidays a little too early, just remember that people who decorate early are generally, are generally happier, so I am working on that. Speaking of holidays, why don't we talk about the food holidays for this week? Today, Sunday, August 13th, is filet mignon day, which is my favorite cut of beef when I eat beef. What I like about it is that I can have three or four ounces, and that is more than enough for me. And I find that I am a little horrified when somebody orders like a 20-ounce steak. I'm happy as a clam at high tide with just a few bites of buttery filet. It's also Prosecco Day, which I absolutely love, but it is guaranteed to give me a massive headache which lasts for days, and that is unfortunate. The Twitter machine also tells me it's Blueberry Day, but I don't see it on either one of my calendars, but let's just make it Blueberry Month in honor of my new kitty, Blueberry. Monday, August 14th is National Creamsicle Day, and I absolutely love creamsicles. They are one of my favorite ice cream no novelties, which is what they call them at the grocery store. It reminds me that there used to be an ice cream flavor that I think um, maybe Hood made um, that was vanilla ice cream, coffee ice cream, and orange sherbet. And I always wondered who came up with that combination, but it was such a great combo. 
I'm not sure it even exists in one tub of ice cream now, but I think it was called Country Club. So fancy. Monday is also Word Lizard Day, and on this day we learn about lizards, and maybe we play Find That Lizard. Um, this is not a day for eating lizards. Tuesday, the 15th, is Lemon Meringue Pie Day, which a uh, big fan. I had a lemon chest pie from Sue's Pie um, from the Warrington Farmer's Market this week, and of course it was delicious. Not the same as lemon meringue, but still, lemon pie. Yum, yum, yum. Wednesday is Bratwurst Day, and I am not embarrassed to tell you how much I love those cheap cheddar wurst, like Hillshire Farms. The greasier, the better. It's also rum day, and I don't love rum, but if you love rum, I say go get some of that Key West rum that Jen and Ingo talk about on Golden Ratio podcast, because they seem like they're a very good company that makes a very good product. And I think if I liked rum, I would probably love that rum. Thursday, August 17th is Vanilla Custard Day, which is honestly so vague. So I'm just going to call an audible and say all custard. So custard filled donuts, custard pie, like when you make coconut custard, you're really making a vanilla custard with coconut, uh, creme brulee, frozen custard, or pudding. It's also Black Cat Appreciation Day, which again, for appreciating, not for eating. And something called Love My Feet Day, which I have to assume is something pervy. So you know what? You do you, but I seriously do not need to hear about it. Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day, also known as Aloha Shirt. So if you haven't checked in on how you can help out uh, on Maui or the Big Island, because there are fires on the Big Island as well, maybe consider doing something on Friday. Also, not a food holiday, but it is World Breast Cancer Research Day, which means it is a great day to schedule your annual mammogram. As a reward, you can get yourself some soft serve because it is Vanilla Soft Serve Day. And if you don't love vanilla ice cream soft serve, you can get any other flavor. I give you leave as long as you schedule your mammogram. Now, Saturday is a very big day, and I probably should have warned you at the top of the podcast, but it is, in fact, Potato Day. So make sure you tell all of your friends and your red pandas and your um, beagles who love potato bones. I still think about the goose fat roasted potatoes I had with a Sunday roast dinner in England when I was on my big trip in 2019, and I am hard-pressed to think of a bad potato, but then... I remember the times potatoes have been left in a drawer to rot, and that is, in fact, bad potatoes, my friends. Do not put potatoes out of your sight ever. Not in your pantry, not in a drawer, not in a refrigerator. Potatoes need to be within your sight line at all times, or you will be so sorry. It's also chocolate pecan pie day, which is good and all, but I actually much prefer just regular pecan pie. But that's just me. If you like chocolate pecan pie, then this this day is absolutely for you. Okay, friends, that is the food holiday for this week. It's going to be hot here this week. It's probably going to be hot wherever you are, unless you're on the other side of the planet uh, in another hemisphere, in which case it's going to be chilly. But regardless, I would love for you to stay hydrated. Don't leave anything in your car that can't afford to melt or freeze like a pet. Uh, and if you're looking for a place to send a donation to help Maui, I absolutely recommend the ha uh, Hawaii um, Community Foundation Maui Strong Fund. Um, 
It's a well-established nonprofit that serves just Hawaii, unlike the Red Cross or one of those the big global uh, nonprofits. Um, and that fund is just for Maui. So they are making sure that the money and the resources are getting out to where it needs to go. Um, Chef Jose Andres uh, World Kitchen is also on the ground there. So you can always throw some money to them. They are feeding a lot of uh, people who uh, lost everything and everyone who is there working. Okay, so thanks for listening. And don't forget, if you want little extras like Poetry Moment and the very occasional short secret podcast pictures of things like my garden or my pets or weird things that I see, and lots of opportunities to read my thoughts that don't get published on the podcast for reasons that are obvious once you read them, please consider joining the Patreon at patreon.com slash two chocolate cakes. That's all one word. Sometimes you even get surprises in the mail. And I will see you next week.